this time, Reg Nolan, if you'll come with our first message, Darkness and the Black Hole of Self. On April 13th, Matthew delivered a message entitled, Summon to Caesarea, during which he drew our attention to Ephesians 5, uh, 8, and the absence of expected prepositions. Now, what does that mean? We're not, we're not up. Okay. But it puts in darkness at times. <laughs> okay. Technology. There's an old saying to err is human. If you really want to foul things up, you need a computer. <laughs> I know that from personal experience. What was the first slide? Oh, there we go. Good. All right. Okay. Here we go. Um, not on the back. All right. Uh, so, Ephesians 5 through 8. Uh, For you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Rather reprove them. He focused in passing on the fact that we are not in darkness, but that we are darkness. That's a considerable difference. That's a considerable difference. Because if we are in darkness, or surrounded by darkness, or amid darkness, then that position implies that we are separate from the darkness. But if we are darkness, then there is no line of distinction between it, no line of division. We become merely extensions of the darkness. And that got me thinking, always a dangerous proposition, what does it actually mean to be darkness? Okay, darkness, according to Strong's, is skotos. Uh, from the Greek 4655, it is uh, from the base of 4639, shadiness or obscurity, literally or figuratively, meaning darkness. And 4639, of course, is a primary, sh uh, primary root, which is shade or shadow. Figuratively, it means the darkness of error or an adumbration, a shadow. According to Webster, darkness is the state or quality of being dark. Don't you love Webster's definitions? <laughs> okay, uh, absence or deficiency of light, wickedness or evil, obscurity, concealment, blindness, and ignorance. That's what it means to be dark, according to uh, Webster. Darkness in the literal sense can only be defined negatively as the absence of light. True darkness is very difficult to obtain. 
For a single candle, a single candle will shatter the darkness and let the light penetrate to its deepest recesses. In fact, the only place that I, Nova scientist and physicist that I am, could think of where true darkness exists is in the proximity of a black hole. Okay, true darkness, the black hole. Scientists believe that the black hole is a region of space at the center of which there is a star that has spent out its energy, collapsed upon itself into a point mass, smaller than a ball bearing, but with all the mass of the sun that it once was. Because it still has all of its mass, it still has all of its gravity. And so just, as, just so highly condensed that it warps the space around it so that not even photons of light can escape its grasp. Hence their name, dark hole, black holes, for they appear to be holes in space through which not even light can pass. Since photons, tiny as they may be, they still have mass, minute amounts of mass. <clears throat> I understand that now. Um, they still have minute amounts of mass, and if any are caught within the gravitational field of a black hole, they are destined to spiral down toward the center of the black hole to eventually fuse with that mass at the center, and thus adding to the mass at the center as minute as that might be. If we view them face on, then they look like, as the name implies, holes in space. They're just black holes. We look at them face on. Reason for that is, I'll show you several pictures of them. These are different kinds of black holes. There's a rather mundane run-of-the-mill one. Here's one where the black hole is actually siphoning off the matter from a nearby uh, star, galaxy, nebula, or the like. Here's another one where it's siphoning it off from a lot of different places. Okay. They appear to be holes in space because the light from anything on the other side of them will never reach us. In order for us to see something, we must see the light that is transmitted from that object. But the light on the other side of the black hole can never reach us because in order to get to us, it must pass in the proximity of the black hole and it gets pulled into and circles down into the mass itself. It's drawn down toward that mass in the center. Hence, there are whole sectors of space that we can never, ever know anything about because the light from those sectors can never reach us. In reality, since gravity exerts its force in all directions, black holes must really be spherical in nature, spherical voids of darkness um, here in the middle of things. Fortunately, gravity is a relatively weak force, relatively speaking, the, whose, for, whose strength decreases as the distance from the objects increase. Otherwise, the universe would soon be made up of nothing but black holes. Okay, so I hear you thinking, Ridge, where are you going with this? Okay, where'd you go in with this? I think that by example, we know that, I think that by examining what we know about black holes, and we don't know any all about them yet, and radiating suns, we can gain by analogy with supporting scriptures some insight into what it means to be, figuratively, children of darkness and children of light. Now, a disclaimer. Any of you who know me know that it's very ironic should realize that it's very ironic that I, nocturnal person that I am, should be giving a message about light and darkness 
Okay, for my eyes and my skin are very, very light sensitive. I, t uh, I tend to avoid bright lights if at all possible. Ten minutes in the sun and I'm burned to a crisp. No, I don't burst in the flames, but pretty close to it. Okay, I just feel that way. Rather, I find twilight or nighttime or cloudy days much more comforting than the heat and harsh light of midday, particularly during the Oklahoma summers like we're experiencing today, uh, which sap out all of my energy. I find it also easier to work behind the scenes, more satisfying than being in the limelight. Nevertheless, though I may incriminate myself, this is the message I feel compelled to give. The role of the sun. The role of the sun. First, let us consider the role of a star as the sun of its solar system. What function does it perform? The gravity of its presence keeps the other planets in predictable, or keeps the planets in predictable orbits around it, providing order for that region of space. Because the orbit of the Earth is regular and periodic, we use the revolutions around the uh, sun to count years. And the rotation of the Earth creates the illusion, and it is an illusion, and the illusion of the sun cycling overhead, allowing us to count days and hours. Since the Earth's axis remains at about a constant 23 degrees off the perpendicular to the plane of the elliptic, the sun's path across the heavens is re amazingly consistent. It can only vary about 23 degrees in that process. Um, it gives us then a sense of orientation and a sense of direction. We can know which way is north, which way is south, which way is east, which way is west. Uh, the plasma reactions going on in the interior of the sun produce energy that the sun then radiates out in the form of heat and light, forms of energy necessary for all life on Earth. Then, through the process of photosynthesis, plants use photonic energy from the sun in order to transform water and nutrients into plant cells. Herbivore animals then eat the plants to grow and reproduce, and we human be beings, we eat both plants and animals to survive. Thus, the, the sun shares its energy with all that it falls upon. You might say that all life on Earth is effectively solar-powered. Now, we've all stood... We've all stood astonished by the beauty of a sunset. Here the, sun of the, light is, uh, the light of the sun is filtered through the Earth's magnetic field and atmosphere, so it appears softer and gentler than it would be without those screens. Further, the sun's warming of the oceans and its gravitational influence creates tides and currents, which in turn affects the wind, the weather, and the climate. And we'll see those... Sunsets, these are some of the prettiest ones I found. But there are, uh, our Oklahoma sunsets are very, very beautiful. If you, uh, when I'm driving home on Friday night, for example, I will see the sunset in the background. It and often just amazes me. I say, good one, Lord, just to compliment him on the voice of son. However, if we'd step just outside the Earth's atmosphere and gaze back at the sun with satellite telescopes, such as the Hubble Space Telescope, then our sun appears what it really is, a lonely yellow candle in the great enveloping dark. That's what it is, just a lone little spot of light. If we zoom in closer, then we see the sun is revealed to be a bubbling, churning mass of plasma with sunspots and storms and solar flares, occasionally spewing out stellar rings, which can wreak havoc with our electronics and the communication systems here on Earth. By the way, a close-up picture of, the, of the, the surface of the sun kind of reminds me of my, the nougat stage of my 
fudge when I make a Denton. That's, uh, that's another side. Okay, it actually is fairly easy to see why primitive peoples, primitive peoples, ignorant of Jehovah, could actually come to worship the sun as a distant source of life. Now think of this. If we are to be lights to the world, effectively, we are sons of God. Okay? How do we... How do the characteristics of a son relate to us Christians? Uh, John 8, 12 and John uh, 9, 5, Jesus proclaimed himself to be the light of the world. Jesus spoke again to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And in John 9, 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And as we are as joint heirs with Christ, should ourselves be lights to the world, just as Jesus said that we were. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hid, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a bushel, <clears throat> but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So, what is our role as a son of God? As a son, we should radiate outward from ourselves the warmth and the energy of love for one another and outgrowing concern for the welfare of others. Because of one commandment that, he, that Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. You should also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So that's our, our, our radiating love that comes out. As light, we are beacons we, uh, to the lost, providing them orientation, direction, guidance, giving them peace and comfort in the darkness by expelling fear. We are mirrors of God because we have no light in and of ourselves. We are reflecting his light, his glory to the world. We are glowing nuggets of light, of faith and hope, in a world that's filled with the unfaithful and hopeful, hopeless. We are not, though, the blinding, burning, glaring spotlights that expose another flaws. Rather, we are an ever-burning candle on a corner light stand, humble, unobtrusive, patient, as if to say, I'll be here when you need me. Such qualities are the fruits of the Spirit, like our little children sang about at the, uh, uh, on our uh, recent uh, Praise and Worship Day. Okay? These are the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit are, uh, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. What, are, what all of these characteristics have in common is their directionality. All of the energy is directed away from the self and toward others. There is no self-aggrandizement in uh, love, genuine concern, charity, shared joy, peace, patience, truth, forgiveness, etc. In contrast, though, let's consider the works of darkness. Works of darkness. Several scriptural passages list many of them, sometimes called the works of the flesh. Jeremiah warns us in 17.9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Jesus echoed those same sentiments in Matthew 15, 
uh, verses 18 to 20. Uh, but those things which proceed out of the mouth, which come forth from the heart, and they defile men. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. Now the Apostle Paul is, not, is a list maker, among other things. He provides several itemized lists of such works of darkness. For example, in... Uh, Galatians 5, uh, 19 to 20, he tells the Galatians, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, what a list, uh, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you, as I've told you in the past, that they which do things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now the Ephesians had much the same message, uh, but they had extra emphasis, I don't know if you're aware of it, but the, because of the temple Diana that was there, which was a major center, center of uh, uh, worship for Diana, who was also known as the Queen of Heaven. In the Ephesians um, 5, verses 3 through 7, um, but fornication of all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you uh, as become saint. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. For you know this, that no whoremonger or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of God and Christ. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not partakers with them. Now, we've been studying Romans in our Bible study, and Paul's treatise to the Roman is probably the most detailed description of the works of darkness and, and the mind that produced them. So go to Romans 1, starting with verse 21. Because, knowing God, they did not glorify him as God, neither were they thankful but they became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory, another word for light, the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like unto corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to the uncleanliness through the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor even their own bodies between themselves. For they changed the truth of God into a lie. And, and they worshipped and served the created thing more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up to dishonorable affections. For even their women changed the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward the other, males with males, working out shamefulness and receiving in themselves a recompense for uh, which was fitting for their error. And as they did not think to, have God, to think to have God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Uh, reprobate means undisciplined or turned inward. Being filled with all um, unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, being full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, evil habits, becoming whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, insolent, proud, braggart, uh, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, 
undiscerning, perfidious, which means treacherous or uh, faithless or guilty, that sort of thing, without natural affection, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous knowing the righteous order of God, that those that practice such things are worthy of death, not only do them, but have pleasure in practicing them. Think for a minute about our entertainment. Our entertainment, what is the most of our entertainment? It consists of things like crime dramas, murder mysteries, uh, things of this nature. So we take pleasure in watching these sorts of heinous crimes and sins and the like. So we take our own pleasure and practice in watching the entertainment. These works also have a commonality of direction, but in the opposite direction. Instead of being altruistic and other-directed, all of these works are designed to embellish or enhance the self, to increase hedonistic sensual pleasures, to gain wealth, power, beauty, or fame, to assert individual will over others or the environment, to control fate, and to live forever on its own terms, to cause discord, strife, and confusion among others, to incite rebellion for personal gain, to worship the vain imaginations of his own heart, however he pleases to do so, as it is convenient for him to do so. He is not submissive, in other words. He wants to do it his own way. At the same time, they reflect the fear of losing what has been gained, and an insatiable thirst to gain more at any cost, including at the expense of others. Hence they indicate, here are the characteristics in modern language, a vain, egotistical, defiant, paranoid, prideful, undisciplined, unscrupulous personality, prone to addictions, hatred, and prejudice. Such people are competitive, aggressive, and belligerent, and would endorse mottos such as these. These are the mottos of darkness. Win at any cost. I deserve it. It's my right. I am the king, the greatest, lord of the dance or whatever. Okay. I'll get mine while the getting's good. The rest of you be damned. I did it my way. I did it my way. And my will be done. I make my own rules. Rules were made for the other guy or made to be broken. It's only cheating if you get caught. And this statement from Nietzsche, they had Zarathustra say, those who control their passions have passions weak enough to be controlled. It is this self-centered mindset that inspired the warning of Hosea. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord had the controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God. See, these are the positive things. These are the light. These are the things that are outgoing toward, from others. There is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood touches blood. That left off or didn't show up. That last phrase, blood touches blood. That is an image that haunts me. I, can, I, can, I see a vision, or a, 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 this is a Hosea's vision, but it's like, the, you see the map of the United States, and from all of our cities, from the inner cities, there's blood just pooling and going out, out from there. 
Come on. There we go. This is the idea. This is the image. I'm going to try to present to you what I see. Do you see it? From the inner cities in our nation, blood pools out, pools out and stretches until blood touches blood. And soon the whole nation is covered with nothing but blood. That's a horrifying image, but it's one that just keeps haunting me. And he predicts, Hosea then predicts the outcomes of such darkness. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet shall fall with thee at night, and I will destroy thy mother. Here, mother, wait, I'm back up. I must have hit two. Okay. All right. Oh, no, no, never mind. I got ahead of myself. Therefore shall the land mourn, and every one that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven. Yea, the fishes in the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive nor approve one another, for thy people are as they that strive with a priest. By the way, the word priest here does not mean simply someone in a robe performing a religious ceremony. A priest is an administrator. It is like a, a government official of the like and predicts the consequences of such darkness. Okay. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet shall fall with you in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. The mother here means thy nation, the nation. <clears throat> My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou may be no priest to me. Seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. And as they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Notice glory is another idea for light and shame, the idea of, of darkness again. Okay. They shall... Uh, and they eat up the sin of my people, and they shall set their heart on iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their doings. For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the, uh, the Lord. Such peoples, such people are like the black holes of outer space. They are collapsed stars of self, that with, the, uh, with collapsed stars at the center of their universe, hungrily drawing in any bit of matter within their sphere of influence to augment their own mass. Theirs is an egocentric world where everything exists only for their benefit. They exist in a void of darkness, and no light that enters can ever escape. True darkness is, in essence, selfishness in any of its manifestations. And it's the assertion of the personal will and desire above all else. Like magic. Have you ever noticed the popularity of all our shows that involve magic and wizards like the Harry Potter series and the like? Magic is what? It's giving caprice to power and power to caprice so that we are at the, at the mercy of the will of someone else. The laws of the universe are temporarily suspended if magic is taking place. 
Generally, darkness is inwardly directed, seeking to draw everything into itself. However, there are uh, situations where darkness appears to be radiating outward, but that's an illusion. It's not actually radiating out. It is consuming everything that is within it. In reality, the darkness consumes itself, appearing to grow and radiate outward to appease this insatiable hunger. It is feeding upon itself and whatever fuel is readily available. I have been haunted by Hosea's vision. This is a spread of evil, this blood-touching blood as these pools spread out. Because, because it is inwardly directed, as Ephesians 5.11 tells us, by nature it cannot be fruitful. If it is inwardly directed, it is not fruitful. It is unfruitful. It is the unfruitful works of darkness. It's like the man who buried the talent of gold instead of investing it. In contrast, light is very fruitful. It radiates outward, it touches others, stimulating them to grow, which in turn helps others to grow, resulting in a, a whole cascade full of fruitfulness. Indeed, if we are to give of ourselves, expecting nothing in return, then our efforts return to us sevenfold. Consider the commission of the Apostle Paul. Whereupon I went to this, Paul was, remember, struck down, was originally Saul, struck down on the road to Damascus. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday. O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. Here mean, doesn't mean in position, means greater than. Greater than the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which uh, journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why, per why persecutest thou me? It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus that thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and witness of, of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which uh, I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness into light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may uh, receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those which are sanctified by faith that is in me. How ironic it is that the self-righteous Paul was struck down by light into darkness that he might bring others from darkness into light. That's a very ironic situation. So I implore you now to embrace the light, to embrace the light of love and forsake the self-centeredness of darkness, to become a radiating son of God, or at least a candle flickering in the darkness. Isn't it amazing how that one little candle there seems so bright against the background? Be the candle in the darkness. Don't be the uh, darkness of self. Don't be a black hole.